Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to another edition of Monday Morning Coffee Inside the Firm with your host, Alex Gore. I'm here with Lindsay Fox. And some of you might know Lindsay or not. Uh, you might know her because she's been interviewed, uh, maybe not specifically for Monday Morning Edition. I think you were in a conglomeration when we were at we, the International Yeah, building. definitely a mashup. We're yep. usually but we talk traveling. about you. We talk about you a lot. And sometimes we hide that we're talking about you, but you know that we're talking about you. So welcome, <laughs> Lindsay. Welcome, welcome to this interview. Well, thanks for having me again. Yeah. Yeah, usually I'm the one that's like um, instigating some story that you're all excited to share. <laughs> and it's, yes. uh, you know, I met this woman or this woman called or ran into my buddy when I was at this conference. Um, yeah, absolutely. Hijinks ensue. So, so we're talking about Lindsay and I'll go in how, how we kind of met and, and um, you know, we can have that conversation. But the reason why we're talking to Lindsay is because uh, the Monday morning coffee edition is broadening out. Essentially, we're getting a, uh, Lindsay is going to be a co-host. Once a month, she will be hosting, interviewing other guests. So we want you to get familiar with her. We want to talk to her. And basically, she's going to bring a wide variety of guests to expand um, what we're talking about. Um, Actually, I'll let you maybe maybe take over. What do you feel that you're you're bringing? Or or maybe, maybe who do you what type of guests do you have almost lined up that you're going to oh, bring? Oh, I got them racked and stacked. Um, I think what I loved about the platform was that you were uh, kind of opening, you're opening the platform for other um, entrepreneurs to kind of share their story, give some feedback, um, a little bit of commiserating, which I think is healthy, um, mm-hmm. and kind of getting uh, a broad and diverse voice to... I think what I loved about Inside the Firm when I first started listening to it, it wasn't just about architecture. Um, it was about, you know, growing a business and how to like build the culture. And, uh, you know, you kind of laid it all out there for everyone to hear. Um, but I think the more that you get yourself out there, you, I've, I've wanted to interact. I kind of wanted that moment where, you know, we get to participate in the, in the discussion. And what I loved about the Monday morning segment with Lance was that, this was it. This is like, I love the thought. Just sit down and have some, some coffee. Yeah. Sit down and have some coffee, have some conversation. Yeah. Um, if you notice this interview will probably have the new intro. Um, <laughs> so you probably already heard it, but, but by the time we, when we record this, when we are recording this right now, it hasn't been created yet. So you're going to tell me where it is where in with process. That. Rob beats is amazing. Had a nice convo with him. So Rob is the uh, individual that you hired for the Inside the Firm intro. Um, and that didn't, I don't know, what to, when did you get that kind of lined up? Probably after the like the 20th episode or something. Yeah, I mean, I think I remember his, yeah, he, you had your, you actually like tested the lines on your in, in, Inside the Firm. You're like, this is what we're going to go with. Um, but I love the voiceover that you had for the intro. Um, and I actually asked you cause I thought you probably just had 
sampled it from something, you know, just kind of pirated some some cool bass. Um, <laughs> we were like, no, I found this guy. What was the platform you found him on? I can't remember. It was a long, long time ago. Is it SoundCloud that you do the the people? It was probably something like Fiverr, but I mean, this was, I feel like we've been doing this for a while. I don't know how, I mean, we have over a hundred episodes. I know that. We almost have 200. So is that almost four years? No, no. Two years at least? Seems longer. Wow. Seems longer than that. <laughs> yeah. We had, um, so I called him up and I'm like, listen, the Monday morning coffee segment needs to have as equally a cool intro as inside the firm. And he's like, I got this. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, we're trying to get this first podcast la- launched in, what would we say, like the beginning of August? And yeah, um, yeah. and I'm like, you know, you need some, he's like, nope, I got it. It's already there. And then like the next day I had like four samples, I'm like done, option two, done. So I'm really excited oh, about really? it. Oh, mm-hmm. really? Cool. Did, did you write? Did you do a new writing for it? For I did What do you say? I actually just, really, I like what, I like what Lance, Lance's intro. It's very succinct and it is what it is. Um, yeah. You've got kind so you of just a, made it cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying. Yeah. I'd like to get, I mean, we love the feedback. Honestly, I love throwing um, work out to others that are in that kind of creative space. I think that's one yeah. of the great things about being an entrepreneur is that you kind of get to work with others when you're growing your business. Um, yeah. And so you know, I start brainstorming who the guests are that I'll be interviewing. It's, it's a very diverse group. So I have a marketing professional. Um, I have uh, some folks in the BIM world, uh, laser world, uh, and get, yeah. get, their, get their input and see how they grew their business and kind of get their story. Absolutely. That's great. So you have a business. I have a business. And that's, that's kind of how we got started. I can't remember if you emailed me first or called me. I just remember being on the phone with yeah, you. Yeah. Cause I said, because you were harassing hey, me. It was one call, email. Call me or, you, okay. or I'm going to call you. <laughs> it was one email and you're like, Hey, and I'm like, wow, you actually called back. And then I feel like I was listening to one of the inside the firms, uh, from like number around number 50 or something. And you advised your listeners to to reach out, you know, if there's someone you want to talk to, if there's someone in the industry that you kind of, you know, just like reach out. The worst thing they can say is no. I actually have the philosophy. The best thing they can do is say no, because then you're done with them and you can go on to someone else. Yes. Um, so it was nice because it kind of fit with your kind of open receiving of, you know, I don't know. I feel like there's some forces in the universe that kind of put people together. And uh, it was definitely finding Revit rocket ship for me was kind of this kind of key that unlocked and knowing that we had folks in the world that were using uh, Revit uh, building information modeling in the residential space was like this big key for me. Cause I had just, I had just heard 30 no's from firms in my area that was like, Nope, Nope, we don't want it. Nope. Don't want Revit. Don't want BIM. And I couldn't understand it. So that's when I, I was like, all right, I'm, call I'm, this guy. Yeah. So RevitRocketShip.com is, is the course that we run that we teach a whole bunch of people. Um, I'm still surprised at how many people, firms don't or individuals don't know it. In, in school, they should, should know it. But again, like, like you were saying, it depends who's teaching too. Right. You know, if, 
if they didn't learn Revit or had maybe like five years in Revit, they're just looking from the book. They're like one page ahead of you. <laughs> it's and not, that's, yeah. That was my experience. That's about it. Yeah. So even the students that know it in school, I still think that they need to learn from a professional that's actually doing it day to day. That's what I think the difference is. Right. Would you right. agree? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like so, going back to how we met, right? So I, I was a homeowner. I love the, I love the construction industry. Grew up in it. Built a home. Built a home without BIM. Discovered BIM. <clears throat> studied BIM. Studied it in my um, local college. At my local college. Uh, called all the firms in my area and said, you know, are we? I, I, I have this skill are you hiring? And they all said no and pretty much told me they would never hire for that skill. And I couldn't understand it um, because it seemed so logical. Um, But then it was, how am I really using the software? Because even when I went to work at those firms or I saw how firms were using it, it was still being used as um, kind of an augmented drafting approach. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want that. I wanted the full building experience in a digital platform and that was kind of like an aha moment and then I just pestered you I just poke at you constantly yeah. and what's great is is that you kind of uh well you'll poke back and we kind of instigate each other and it's yeah. it's been kind of a driving force to say how do we change the conversation about architecture but also the design and construction process yep and then you so I mean we aren't just you're not joining this podcast as someone that's just talked to a couple couple times and is, is random. I mean, you've been in Colorado for good stretches multiple times. Mm-hmm. We've been at conferences together. Um, we've been talking. I mean, I took a probably at least two years. Yeah, <laughs> deep, deep I, dive. When, so when I hear thirty no's, I'm like, oh, that's got to be a yes somewhere. <laughs> and then it just yeah. takes like perseverance to get there. So yeah, 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 a lot of studying, a lot of conferences, a lot of uh, let's really, let's dissect why we're getting the 30 no's and let's try and find the yes and put the yes on the table. Yeah. Yep. So talk about what your company is doing to, t- to change that tide or go more further, go deeper into selling the benefits of, of BIM or, you know, how you are approaching that. Um, so when you get, what are the challenges to adoption? Well, cost, uh, the skill, acquiring the skill. And then even when you get into the software, there's a hundred ways to do one thing. So then you have to know best practices. And then you get into standards. And when you've been working in an existing software for so long, there's standards that exist and everybody abides by them and it's comfortable and you, and you know how to get the product out fast. And construction is constantly moving at a breakneck pace and so to take a moment out of your production and say I'm going to go learn the software and I'm going to offer this new service to our clients are they even going to want it um, was a huge barrier so when I built I feel like I'm a little bit like the reluctant CEO because I I, I did like the idea of, of working for an existing company um, and I liked seeing the workflows that existed because I didn't want to reinvent the wheel. So working with F9 was kind of the, the moment where I saw streamlined efficiencies on how to create. And I would say that the key to BIM is build it like it's built. 
-hmm. and and create consistencies there. But so building building my company, which is Tiver Built, um, it was we've already worked out the kinks. We're a we're a BIM service company. What do you want? Whether it's a homeowner, whether it's an architecture firm, whether it's a builder, and they want their clients to have access, or a homeowner wants access to virtual tours that are tied directly to their construction documents and they're not going to have inconsistencies between a pretty picture and their actual permitted set, then that's us. We can create that really sweet platform that gives uh, builders a very clear understanding of what they want or what they need to build, owners what they want, and then designers like how to efficiently execute a vision out of someone's head. Like, that's the thing yep. that we we struggle with is that this is we're creating a three-dimensional item. And you you've kind of commented on this. So what other industries are we uh creating a three-dimensional item, but the instructions for that three-dimensional item are strictly in two-dimensional drawings? Right. It's not. They're, no, every manufacturing company, they're all using a three-dimensional modeling software to create their product. So it's, it's not that different, but it is because it's construction and it's, it's a crafting process. Right. And, and you've probably heard or been aware of this critique of architecture or drawings in general is they're just lines on the page. You get paid for lines on a page, right? Yeah. And selling the difference is a hurdle and everyone tries to do it in, in their own unique way. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say that F9 doesn't always lean heavily on the aspect of, of BIM because, and, and, and it's, it, sometimes we do, but sometimes we don't because then it's like, think about a, a piece of paper laying on your table and it's lines on a page first. If you could instantly show them a model, a Revit model that spins around, right? Mm -hmm. That'd be more closely for you to say and for them to get what's, what's going on and what you're making. But still, that's about what you are. And I think this is what's the hard part is it's still about what you are making, not the what they are getting. Versus because the homeowner? Because the homeowner, they're like, right. okay, great. That's so much cooler. But you're still making this model that's not real to me. I can't live in that mm -hmm. digital house. You know, and, and I don't even think they can articulate all this, but, it, but that's what I think the, the, the hurdles are in the education process is that even if you're successful in it, you're, you're still not talking maybe necessarily about what they're actually looking for. They right. didn't, you know, like they know that you're going to produce drawings and maybe a model, but they're, they're not buying the model. They're buying the house. They're buying the end result. They're buying. True. You know, However, it's your job as yeah. the design professional to engage the owner and empower the owner to have them connected to the design. Um, we in the industry will all lose if we're creating lines on paper that never get constructed. The point of yeah. our profession is to have it manifested in reality, which is the coolest thing about this industry is that you alter skylines, you change uh, the way people interact with the world and in their environment. Um, it's a huge influence and it's awesome. However, if you're not engaging the, the owners, the people that are hiring you um, into the process of creating the instruction manual, then I, I don't think that you're empowering that 
homeowner to feel connected to the end product either. So I can speak as a homeowner that went through the process as, as a novice. So I have construction experience, but a uh, few flips, DIYs, and then boom, I decide I'm going to pretty much tear down my house and, and rebuild it. Um, yeah. if, I had, if I had just drawn, let the lines be on paper, handed them over to the builder, and walked away, what would I have walked into six months later? I can tell you, I can guarantee you, because I lived it, that it would not look anything like it does now. And what we try and do with our models is engage the owner. So in years previous, it was controlled work sets, right? Like owners would tell you, oh, I want this change, this change, this change. And you go to the back room, you draw, and then you resubmit. And you're like, oh, yeah, that looks good. Well, we're not doing that. Our, our approach is uh, more open. It's a little bit more raw, and we do find ourselves making modifications to their design in real time with them sitting next to us. Um, fortunately, through uh, COVID, that was all of our quarantine, we could do that virtually. And that is leveraging the VR experience and leveraging those real-time rendering softwares um, that can get people engaged in the model and make adjustments in instantaneously. And I don't have to go redraw three different views to ensure that my construction documents are going to be consistent with the design modifications that our clients just wanted to make. Um, we, get to, yeah. we get to our end product faster, which is here's a model. And if I was to spit out all the sheets and all the views, I can feel 99% confident that the, the building that is going to be constructed will fit similarly very similarly to the model we just created with our owners and that feels great and everyone seems yeah. to be responding well to that yeah yeah the lines on paper before i think it was more of a, a leap of faith that somehow the builder was going to manifest this um into what you wanted but it i think it's different i think that was almost a different time too because the builder it and the architect you know, I'm thinking about growing up. It, it was almost the same. I mean, I'm... I'm Are you thinking about growing up? Probably, you haven't done it yet? <laughs> I'm, oh, because my parents built the house that we lived in after mm -hmm. I was five and then the cabin. Um, and the the plans, the you know, the plans were barely anything. So it was just basically trusting the, the builder. So it was more on, okay, here's plans. Now I'm picking a builder where, hey, I like these kind of houses you know, hopefully he'll build that kind of house with this kind of plans. And that was, right, right. that was it. Well, and so, I mean, I've, let's go back to that before going, well, where are we going? You want to go back? No, no, no. <laughs> um, before going into the industry and before deciding to start this company, which was a little bit um, of an emotional, like, I don't want to take no for an answer, but you know, you had to go a little deeper and do some, you know, market research and all the things that you need to do. But I also did some case study research as to, you know, what's the origin of the general contractor. I listened to Lance talk about like the return of the, the master builder architect um, and what that relationship was and how it evolved and where we are now. Um, and there's some really interesting, uh, there's some really interesting case studies about like even, um, uh, I feel like it was falling waters and how the architect, mm. you know, Frank Lloyd Light was really invested, you know, held design from the whole, like the landscape, 
through the structure all the way down to the knobs. And what started to happen was that it got really fragmented and we stopped having that holistic design approach. Um, and I was laughing to myself, I had no landscape architect involved in my plans before construction started. And it was literally like in the middle of construction when the builder's like, all right, how are you getting into this house? I'm like, oh, I've got to figure that out. Yeah. Um, and that's all in real time. And honestly, like you kind of feed off the chaos and it's kind of fun. But let's talk about, you know, waste reduction. Let's talk about making really decisive, confident decisions um, uh, in, in our design and making sure that our end product matches what we had in our imagination. And I love doing that with our owners. They, our owners have robust imaginations and we can manifest exactly what they say that they want. Um, I can make design modifications and suggestions and they're wowed by them or they're like, no, I don't, no, no, thanks for showing me that, but I want to go back to the way I had it. I'm like, okay. So it's just a, it's a way of creating that holistic experience, leveraging technology. So I do think that we're, you actually have the tools now to get back yes. to that. Whereas there, there was fragmentation and it was difficult to, yep. to bring in all of those specialty designers to get that full picture from you for what you had in your head. Two points. I think every architect has had that experience where you talked about, you showed them an idea or a couple ideas and they said either yes or no, let's go back to what I want. Mm -hmm. At least with BIM. And sometimes it hurts because like, you almost factually know that it's a better, it's a better idea, right? Yeah. Um, but at least with BIM, you can show them so that they can, so you know they're actually getting the full picture. Mm -hmm. You know, rather than just, um, you know, telling them, hey, this countertop or this cabinet, you know, you, at least when they make this, you pull, you put forward your your full effort. Um, the other thing that I thought was very interesting was a problem that we barely discuss at all, but. I don't see too many solutions to it from a, at least where we're at right now and, and probably you too. So in college, we always had this rivalry with the landscape architects, but it was always funny, right? They'd always play country. We'd always play gangster rap, right? Uh, we'd always win at basketball. They said that they were good at basketball, right? <laughs> <laughs> but nice. I acknowledged in a lot of, I mean, they were all friends and stuff like that. Um, I acknowledge that like starting off with landscape architects is crucial to the development of a building. Like mm -hmm. it's literally step one. It's not even me just saying that the way that you can do shading, interacting with the environment. Um, How about stormwater you know, management? Just, just like, everything about Where's it. the water going to go? Because you're completely gouged out the, the earth that, that was yeah. very happy. <laughs> but they don't even deal with that. They deal with civil. So here, I have a theory for you okay. now after this, the amount of houses and other projects we've done where landscape comes at the tail end is probably 99%. And I already know that that's incorrect, mm -hmm. you know, but it's like, we can only tackle so many problems at a time. And the first is to have a viable business that um, helps give the clients value and also do it in such a way that the firm can actually survive because if we cannot survive, then we can't help the clients. Right. So it's something I want to, you know, almost circle, circle back to, but it's extremely prevalent 
that they are not involved. And the first people that are involved on bigger projects are civils mm-hmm. because it's all about water. So if the civils could actually do the landscape design too, or if the landscape designers could do the civil work too, then that would almost instantly solve that project for large problems. Um, right. right. Fortunately, we're building it. houses. So, so the f- functionally, I'm, that's one of the things I like and that, that we're attempting and we are successfully um, making huge changes in the construction industry globally. Uh, their BIM is being adopted. There's tons of studies of how incredibly efficient uh, construction can be when you have single source BIM um, enabled into your project. Uh, but these are huge builds. I mean, airports and uh, facilities. I had one. So we are we are also laser scan technicians. I had one laser scan. Uh, they they wanted us to create the model. It was a million square feet. Nice. Right? Um, So what's interesting is is that uh, when you're getting into this major shift in an industry uh, and the money is in the commercial space, so technology attaches itself to the commercial space, those are also very cumbersome environments to make changes, um, to evolve. Uh, what I loved about Revit Rocket Ship is what I had said from the beginning was, can you teach me all of the tools that Revit has in a tiny house just so that I can get comfortable with the functionality and create those efficiencies in a very small platform? And I apply BIM and laser technology to the residential space because I think it's a beautiful place to perfect it because we mm-hmm. do have absolute control of how our projects are going because they're just smaller groups. I, I'm not working with large entities of stakeholders. I'm working with a husband and wife. Um, often, <laughs> which is sometimes just like working like a little giant entity that's very conflicted. But um, no, most of the time, we, we have a lot of control over how we're, what experience we're creating for them. And, the, and, and so it's a, it's a more digestible way to test. Uh, and do case studies and say, well, we can do it at this level. We've done it at the super big level. Let's merge the two. It's because we can't, we, can't, we can't talk about full-scale BIM adoption if we're leaving out certain sectors of construction. And residential is a, is a big one. We all live in homes. Um, yep. So that felt like a win to me, is that if I can take no off the table by creating these, these little microcosms and say, oh, we're getting the landscape guy in now. And we're going to talk to he he stormwater management. Let's talk to him now, um, and and it, it, it it's working out. And we're really happy. The owners are happy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but definitely, I would say that there there were not technologies that made BIM viable um, just a few years ago. I found that laser scan technology really really unlocks the potential. Uh, that BIM has because so many of our structures are uh, existing conditions, like existing buildings that we have to modify. And I had F9, yeah. I was able to tag along with F9 when they were um, documenting an existing home that you were making additions to. Yeah. And so I had the benefit of like tape, paper, and sitting on site with a laptop creating a model. And I was like, oh, that, there's got to be a better way to do this. So it's funny. Because uh, one of our friends is coming out, you know, to work work for us, mm-hmm. and I think that 
I, I think she might stab me when she goes out and uses a... <laughs> <laughs> We've already, so we're talking about we're talking about a member of my staff that needed to that's relocated. Um, we've both trained with F nine, um, yeah. and uh, Rebecca's joining the team, and yeah. Rebecca is we fully. We do as belts. Uh, we do we do as belts, but we do so. Tiber built does la- as belts with the laser scan, uh, laser scanner, yeah. the Leica BLK. Um, and that's what we've become accustomed to when we, when we document an existing structure and then we create the model from that. Okay. Breakdown for me and our listeners, because, because I'm sure she's going to hound me on this. Um, she should, what are the, what are the tier prices? You know, like there's laser scanners that are $20,000 plus there's -hmm. probably ones between 10 and 20. And there's probably ones that are like 200 bucks that are probably no good. Oh, hell no. Where is a decent starting point for someone? Literally, a get your, your feet wet, decent starting point. What 20K. would you recommend? 20K. So that is not a decent starting point. That is not <laughs> no, that's a why you hire get your someone, feet wet. That's why you hire someone with a laser to come do a project. Um, yeah. And start, start that way. And you start testing to see. that When I bought my laser, I was like, if I need, just need to show people how quickly and how accurately I'm documenting a structure so that I can demonstrate that the thousands of dollars that they will lose when they haven't documented a structure correctly or they're relying on information from another entity that's supplying them, I mean, that's great, right? right? So, so you got handed a set of building documents from uh, 1940 and you're hoping you're hoping there were no change orders and that everything that's on that plan from 1940 is what manifested. Um, and you're going to make your, you know, if you're a builder, you're making your bid based on the drawings that you got from the architect that he has all these built-in assumptions, right? From the, from the plans from 1940. Um, yeah, but so that would help if you were in Colorado competing with us and someone might go with you, but you are not. So, and I don't, Right now, I don't want to hire someone else. And the reason why is because if we are going to uh, have, have that, we want it, what you're talking about, all in-house so mm-hmm. that we know where we took the scan, you know, what we could see, what we couldn't see. We know that, hey, we need to open the window curtains so that we can actually see the window rather than it just model the curtains. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're still, you're still telling me 20K. Uh, there, so there's photogrammetry and then there's LIDAR, right? So photogrammetry yep. is using an algorithm to triangulate uh, a measurement. Um, yep. So it takes a picture and it's got, you know, the windowsill, the floor and like something else. And it takes a little, does a little math and it figures out what each distance should be. Um, so that's a Matterport product. Um, that is r- very competitive, very um, absorbable in regards to your cost. We chose to go with LIDAR technology because it's actually a, a point shoot laser laser measurement. So it takes uh, 360,000 points of measurement um, in one scan. Mm-hmm. So when I went out for our as-built uh, with the F9 uh, crew, it was, you know, you have a tape measure, but you also have like a, just a laser measure. So imagine that 360,000 times. Um, so we when you get to the, and then it just kind of creates this cloud and you stitch it together and it creates this beautiful template of the structure and you get to see 
wall thicknesses, not because it's an x-ray, but because you've just scanned the entire structure, this room connecting to that room. Um, and we have found deflections in floors that would have cost thousands of dollars in uh, reorders of materials. I mean, just so much money wasted without documenting these structures uh, to the level that we're doing. Um, so the LIDAR technology is where I wanted to live. And if I'm going to be mm -hmm. a construction technology solutions company, which is what I was positioning the company to be um, in a kind of business to business environment, um, I, I didn't want to go, I didn't want to go photo photogrammetry. Um, there yeah. are, I, I do believe that there, there's ways to lease uh, some lasers. You can get in at 20K for the, like a BLK. That's really good for residential, small scale commercial. Um, LIDAR works on, on the outside. So Matterport and the photogrammetry isn't great for exterior because there's too much light. So you can't get accurate. So it's really great for like the virtual tour experience for, for realtors and some other applications. Uh, but if we want the structure inside and out, I'm LIDAR 100%. Uh, you can get into the, you can go up from 20K into the $50,000, $60,000 range. Um, there are lease options, I'm pretty sure, as associated with that. The big players there are Pharaoh and Leica. Um, Apple, Apple unveils new iPad Pro with breakthrough LIDAR scanner. Right? Someone needs to make an app for that so then right? I can just buy a, a right? new... Yeah. Well, that's you, what's happening, right? Is that it, you get this whole industry excited about it and you actually get construction people to actually start buying technology, then it all becomes way more accessible. I mean, when I was yeah. looking at laser scanners, it was the BLK was like first on the market at that 20K mark. And the first one I got was actually defective. The company was awesome. They replaced it. Um, but it was trying to bring the price point down so that it was adoptable into yeah. an existing um, an existing business uh, financial model. Uh, but I have found that the laser scan unlocks everything that I need out of BIM. Um, yeah. And I'm so looking pays right for now. Itself. So under LiDAR building scanner, everything from 2000 to 78,000. So, cause LiDAR is the point and shoot. Yes. That's what I'm looking at. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, post some show notes. Find out if there's a cheaper one now. But I, I mean, I was sitting at Autodesk University listening to presentation after presentation in 2018 of what, what people are doing with scanners. And I knew that if I wanted to get into the BIM game in where, where I am in uh, upstate New York, I had already gotten 30 no's, right, from all the architecture firms that were around me that didn't, yep. was not interested in adopting BIM. So then I'm like, all right, well, I can send F9 and we can work, I can work remotely with F9. Well, F9 is not going to take on our projects if they're not confident with the as-builds. Mm -hmm. So that's where laser scan technology really can open up the remote possibilities because you can do virtual tours with the laser scan data. There's so many Oh, things. it's great now. It's great now. Um, yeah. We've had some other uh, Dauntless design um, send us their laser scanned uh, with, that's in Revit. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's like you're in the house. What's great is that you can even see, like you can cut through and you can, you can see the stairs. So oh, stairs yeah. are always tricky because in old houses, like, yeah, they weren't following the rules. So every time no. you try to make a stair, it's like, okay, what's, what's happening now? And no. now you can make your stair and match it 
with the actual model. So you create a template. So you take your, your laser scan, your raw scan data, you have to take it into, there's a couple different softwares, uh, you clean it up, and then you push it out into um, an RCP file, and that RCP file is um, uh, imported into, into Revit. And it's this beautiful, beautiful moment where you just get this template, and you just know everything is, is accurate down to like an eighth of an inch, and you're like, oh, this is so nice. I'm on the field with F9 and I'm watching him trying to figure out the slope up to the stairs and he's like down on the ground and he's got the tape measure. I'm like, oh, there's got to be a better way. Um, <laughs> Have you heard of SICK? S-I-C-K? Mm-mm. It's a sick name. They do, yeah, safety laser scanner. Yeah. Interesting. There it is. So as we get more adoption, we're going to get, we're going to get a lot more, more options and the pricing is going to come down. The quality is going to stay solid. Um, but that's the point is that you ha- start hosting. I mean, I, what I loved about inside the firm was that it wasn't specifically, it wasn't just business people or architectural people that would be listening to it. And that's what I'd like to see this, this Monday coffee be is that something that creates a little more digestible, but also like enthusiasm for where construction is right now. So we've got one third of global waste is derived from construction. Mm-hmm. A third, right? Plastic straws are a big deal, but a third of our global waste is is derived from our industry. Um, so, so plastic straws, it, it's funny now that you say that because it, it is a big deal and, and um, things like that. But Man, I just if you've been on a real construction site and seen the amount of stuff that gets thrown away, it's massive. I've massive. I've worked at I've worked um, habitat uh, projects, and you know reworks are constant. And you know what's great is that we've got really really informative statistics around what BIM single source BIM enabled project planning can do. And how we're really, truly creating an instruction manual for the build, not something that's like lines on paper that you're hoping that your builder is going to interpret and that you're available, right? So you're going to be available to make all of the decisions in real time while you're standing with your builder. What is that ceiling feature supposed to look like? There's a couple of lines here that make me think that it's not like a normal ceiling. What do you really want? And I'm like, what? Wait, what? I didn't yeah. realize you needed that actually drawn. I mean, I feel like naive, but there what there it was. Um, so to get to get to that point, we're just it we're reducing significant waste. I feel like the statistic is like sixty percent um, greater efficiencies when you've got single source and BIM enabled project planning. Um, well, also too with solving headaches and some of the bigger projects are already doing this. There's been so many calls where I get where the contractor's like, Hey, there's a bust or there's something not shown or whatever. And all I have to say is, Oh yeah, that's a, that's on page 42. Mm-hmm. And then say, they say, great. Right. But it's always coming at alarm. And sometimes you're in meetings. So like maybe you can't get back for a day. And some of the technology that's coming out too is not just having the plans on an iPad. That's great. But having the model on an iPad and being mm-hmm. able to go and see sections, go, you know, because they know where the problem is. It's in the entry, you know, like, right. Hey, the ceiling is too low. What, what's going on here? And they don't know where everything, all the information is relating to the entry. But if you can go to a model and access it from there, access all the information from that 
from that model, you can solve things faster, right? And there's in big projects, there's hundreds of those. Well, so one of my big wins, so I was, I recently um, became part of Women in BIM and I was able to write a, a newsletter about BIM as default and how you would think with so much waste being derived from the construction industry that big, huge evolutions in the approach to design and construction would gain some real traction and excitement and be really newsworthy. And, and, and I wasn't seeing it. So I'm like, well, we've got to, we kind of got to make that change. Um, but I still have the naysayers, right? So when I'm in quarantine and we're trying to keep projects going and I can host a, a project review meeting with the architect and the builder. And so one of our workflows is that we've got, we'll get handed plans that are, that are created in CAD or, you know, just two-dimensional PDFs. And we'll build from those plans. So it's awesome because it's, it's a test scenario of like, all right, this is how this building comes together. We're building it in Revit the way we would be building it in the field. And I get to say to the architect, is this, is the, this is how this manifested? Was this what your intent was? Mm -hmm. And his answer is no. But the builder's right there. He's right there. We're like, well, what did you, you know, what did you intend to have? How were these two systems were going to interact? It was like a structural beam and like a window door system with some transoms. And he's like, well, I wanted it to be this, this. I thought I, I thought I had drafted it correctly. I'm like, well, we didn't leave enough space for this, that, or the other thing. What do you want it to be? Um, and we can make those changes in the digital environment. We don't have to be in the field making those changes. So that's where I'm yep. leveraging. Well, VR is a beautiful, fun experience, but also is a huge problem solver. Um, and when you're building these models and you're actually letting people tour them and you've built them as they truly should be or will be built, then you, it's, it's a quality control step. Because if I, have yep. a, if I have a transom that's going to conflict with a roof slope because we failed to identify that there was a... 18 inch steel beam that was going to consume the height of the wall, then how many transoms do I have sitting on my construction site that are thousands of dollars each that aren't going to get installed? Like mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what, that's where we're living. We're living in an opportunity to get people in the models and, and really test so that even when your wall's great that we can get the model on some sort of device and have people work through it in the field uh, my goal is to do that pre-construction and, and maybe like diminish it down to like maybe like a few, a few issues that show up on the site that like really truly couldn't be known. Yeah, yeah. So just like how BIM helps solve people's problems before they get into real headache and heartache, your podcast segments are going to do the same thing. We're hoping. Right. Well, actually, no. What I really hope is that we can get, um, get some enthusiasm around what we're doing um, in the construction industry and help people um, figure out how to position their companies if they are. So you and I have had this conversation about uh, how do you get people to care about my process as an architect is, is different because I'm using BIM. How do you get people to care? Um, yep. So I like the idea of getting other folks like, so I have my market, the marketing company that I work with, um, their lead marketing strategist. I'm like, 
I'm, I'm having you on. And he's like, he's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, there's so many, there's so many businesses, um, that they're, they're like, if I do good work, the work will come to me and I'll be happy and I'll have a business. I'm like, well, you got to tell people that you're doing things and, and you got to do it in a way that inspires people to get excited about it. So yeah. he's on, I'm getting him in. Yeah. So I, I'm excited about it. I hope all of our listeners tune in. So we'll leave it at that uh, until you will start hearing Lindsay's voice. Uh, probably the first episode of each month, Lindsay will be doing a different segment from, you know, all over. She mentioned it and we're excited to have you on board. Yeah. We're excited to have you on board. I guess have people, if there's anyone that's running a company that's been listening to the podcast for some time and, and would like to share, you know, how they're doing things different or, you know, some exciting news about their approach, contact, just inundate Alex with emails. It's fine. It's not like you're building buildings or anything. You, you want them to email me? Yeah, email email. You want you. me to? Do you, I can give out my email. Isn't it in the show AKG notes or something? AKG at f9productions.com. AKG. It is, F9. but you know, people don't. People are listening in the car. Well, how do people? Yeah. Co- I mean, isn't that where people like send in the questions? If they have questions no, in your they podcast, email me. they email you. Yeah. Does that want to be on the yeah. show? Yep. I'll so interview anybody. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Thanks a lot, Lindsay.